This podcast is solely about exposing the truth, the promotion of justice, fighting corruption, and holding people accountable. Welcome to the Stern Truth Podcast, where the most important thing about this podcast is that we're releasing information before it gets to the media. I have a lot of journalists that come to me for, for information, uh, and I want to just bypass those journalists, get it right to the public uh, directly. So you have the, the unfiltered truth. Today, we're going to be focusing on Flynn, Trump, uh, the overturning of the 2020 election or the attempt to do so in favor of Trump, Charles McGonagall, um, and he's the former head of counterintelligence for the FBI, um, and how that ties into Russia and how that uh, involves myself and possibly Flynn. Uh, and we're going to also talk about um, you know what happened in the Flynn lawsuit in in us being able to voice our opinions effectively. I think that's a major discussion we're going to have. How do we as a country function as a democracy when we're being silenced left and right? Yeah, so let's just dive into it and and jump in. And, and I know a lot of people on Twitter and different social media platforms they had a lot of questions about what was happening with the Flynn situation. What was happening with uh, the actual lawsuit, as we know, Flynn did sue me for $250 million after I testified to the January 6th commission uh, against him. So after I testified to the January 6th committee, uh, Flynn retaliated in, in, in suing me for $250 million uh, for, for uh, defamation. And in response to that, uh, I put out this book, actually. Called the official Michael T. Flynn report to the DOJ, which has a lot of evidence in it. Some stuff I had to block out, of course. Uh, certain things were sensitive, just just for the DOJ to have. But I put out this book not only as an F you to Flynn, but to get out the right public information, right the right information to the American public, so they could see what was going on. The only problem with this book, to be honest with you, is that. If you're not a trained investigator, it's kind of hard to follow along a little bit. Uh, and that's why in this podcast, I, I want to discuss and, and expound upon um, so, some some key issues and some photographs and text messaging that, that will help explain um, you know, Flynn's efforts and how, how Trump's national security advisor, Michael T. Flynn, what was involved with this process in overturning the election? And by the way, you know, a lot of people thought uh, after the lawsuit was was over that I had some gag order on me in talking about this subject. Obviously, that's not true. Um, there is no gag order, hence me disclosing all this information. Okay, so what, what I want to talk about now is the entire backdrop of what happened with Trump trying to overturn the election in 2020. As we know now, he's under federal indictment. He's under indictment, uh, I believe, by Southern District Prosecutors of New York. Um, I mean, Trump is getting hammered all over the place. And let's talk about why this is occurring and and, and Trump's efforts and what, what that really means by efforts, right? So Trump's national security advisor during his administration was Michael T. Flynn. Um, and Michael T. Flynn is a very powerful general. Uh, he's a three-star general. I personally don't classify him as a general. You know, uh, you know, I don't think a general of the United States is someone who goes out and commits the types of uh, you know cr- crimes that, that 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 he does and influences the whole QAnon movement. I, I don't think that's appropriate for a general to do, especially a three-star. Going back 
to the backdrop of this whole situation. So we have in in you know twenty twenty we have January sixth where of course you know we had the mob attack the Capitol. And again, I believe this was an, this was an attack. I know there's different videos of pe- people security people letting people just in the Capitol or whatever. My stance on this issue is if you're on federal grounds, then it's illegal and you shouldn't be there, and that's it. If you want to protest quietly off federal grounds, that's your right. You can do what you want, uh, but protesting on federal grounds, bad move. The overturning of the election did not end on January 6th, and that's a critical point and and critical uh, thing to remember is that Trump continued after. So you had the attack on January 6th, right, which was a definite trying to overthrow the U.S. government. Then you had, uh, and that was while while Pence and Pelosi were trying to certify the election, right? Then you had all these different states, you know, do audits of where, uh, or, or were pushing for audits, of where Biden won, where Trump won, they were trying to over. So Trump was trying to get certain states, for instance, Arizona um, and Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania, you know, Biden won by, by eighty thousand votes. Trump was saying, "No, let's do an audit there, and let's get it overturned." So Pennsylvania would go from blue to red, and that would then put Donald Trump back in office. That was the strategy and tactic that they wanted to do legally, right? Through through legal means, they wanted to create these, facilitate these audits. The problem came in is that you know how many audits you're going to do, right? You'd have an audit and a recount, then they'd want another recount. It just this was just a never-ending you know loop. Where I come into the picture in Pennsylvania is that I was running for U.S. Senate um, in this, in the 2022 election. And in this 2022 election, I had access to government officials, higher up individuals, just just simply by running for U.S. Senate. Um, and not only that, I'm the owner of Tactical Rabbit, which is a private intelligence agency. I'm not trying to plug myself here. I'm just being honest with you. And, and, and why why me owning a private intelligence agency mattered was because I had former intelligence officers such as former CIA, FBI, U.S. Special Forces working for me that were able to um, get certain information that, that, that was necessary uh, or gather dirt on politicians. It, we could. It's not what we do for a living, but we have the capability of doing so. So, for instance, Eric Prince in running his, you know, the, 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 the former company of Blackwater – they have certain capabilities also, and other private intelligence agencies, not just mine, not just Tactical Rabbit, were tried to be employed uh, by General Flynn's people. So General Flynn was acting on behalf of, of Donald Trump, and General Flynn was being financed by this guy named Al Hartman, who was a, this big real estate mogul. And um, I don't know if he's a billionaire, but he's pretty close to it. And he's down in, in, in Texas. And what what Hartman was doing was was financing uh, the the America First movement, uh, which was which was Flynn's organization, and Flynn and his brother Joseph Flynn were were both trying to help in overturning the election, pushing towards these audits. Now, here's where it gets ugly. So, I was approached 
in April of 2021, I was at this Republican event and I gave a speech. You see the speech on YouTube actually. And I had this woman come up to me and also this 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 this, this man, the woman's name was was Velma Ann Ruth and the and the man was was named was named Mark Still. And I'm dropping names here, they can sue me. I don't really give a shit. And the and the and what they said to me was that there was a national security issue. So I asked them, I said, Well what's what's the national security issue? What, what what's the problem? Because they knew I own this private intelligence agency and they said the issue is that Biden is the president of the United States. That was the national security issue that that they viewed um, as being legitimate. Um, and they wanted Biden out of office. And there's a whole bunch of people out there, whether you believe this or not, who really do believe that Trump is the president of the United States, even including government officials. Some people in law enforcement adamantly believe that Trump won the election and that he is the president of the United States. So in her believing and Mark still believing that this is a national security issue, you know, I decided to play along with with what they were saying because I wanted to gather more intelligence. Me as, in, as an intelligence director for 11 years, you know, running Tactical Rabbit, running private intelligence operations worldwide, you know, I have an understanding of, 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 of tradecraft and techniques and procedures and, and how to elicit the information necessary to protect the United States. So I wanted to see where this situation went. Um, and what I was told by by Velma and Ruth and Mark Still on a on a phone call that that happened later on, uh, I asked, you know, who are you working for? And they told me they're working for General Flynn. They made this very clear, General Flynn. <laughs> and and um, they also told me that a man named Ivan Reichlin was also involved, and that Ivan Reichlin was acting as Flynn's attorney and was acting as Flynn's right hand man. Um, and is is on the ground operator, you could say. So here's what we have so far. So we have Velma and Ruth. We have Mark Still. We have out, you know, as as Flynn ops on the ground, you could say. We have this guy Ivan Reichlin, who I didn't really know about at the time. And then we have General Flynn on the on the radar now. And now we have this guy Al Hartman who's down in Texas financing this whole operation and, and going towards the audits and pushing towards them, you know, we have, you know, something starting to gel. And then I found out that I asked Velma very clearly, I said, what do you want? What does General Flynn want? And that was my main question. Not what so much she wanted, but what did General Flynn want? And what I was told was that General Flynn wanted intelligence to, to against to to gather up dirt basically on uh, politicians, judges, um, whoever could help push towards the audits, um, and it was it, it, not basically a blackmail and extortion scheme. It was a blackmail and extortion scheme. That's what this was. It was to extort and blackmail politicians and get them to have influence and push them towards the audits. Now. What what ended up happening was I had to be tested further in order to be accepted into this circle or be accepted into this group. Um, and because Velma told me straight up, she's ever you know we, we trust you, but only to a certain extent. We have to you have to pass some more tests here. So 
the person I was then put in touch with uh, was a man named Ivan Reichlin, who's a former Green Beret. And so this guy knows what he's doing. He's highly trained. He's highly trained in intelligence tactics, especially human intelligence tactics. And Ivan Reichlin, who's now appearing, by the way, in all these January 6th hearings and all these hearings in Washington, very oddly, he's showing up at these events. I don't know why. Um, but maybe to send a message, I don't know. Um, but Ivan Reichlin then put, was asking me a series of questions. Um, for instance, he asked me about my relationship with Maxine Waters, the congresswoman from, from California, and, and why I worked with her. And I, I explained to him, I said, well, look, you know, even though she's a Democrat, I believe in crossing the aisle. And her and I worked together on a money laundering bill after the HSBC money laundering scandal. And you know, it, it benefited the United States. I mean, going against terrorists and putting bankers in jail, who, who's, 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 who's against that, right? So um, he then further asked me other questions such as, you know, why I was rejected from the clandestine service, which is the CIA's field operations. And I told him that that was classified. And he said that he has access within the CIA to find out why what the exact reason was of why I was rejected and if I even in fact was still working for the CIA which I never did work for the CIA or have any connection to them at all but he was he said he had access and reach and influence within the US government which was very scary um and there's a lot of other questions he asked me some of this stuff I don't want to get into it's it's it is partially classified cuz the DOG I this this, uh, this all this information in, in greater greater detail was reported to the Department of Justice, um, and, and and the FBI. Obviously, I did go to the FBI the second I felt this was a credible threat and a risk to the United States public. I went to the FBI, um, and one of the main things that happened once the FBI was involved. I was told by Velma Ann Ruth at a meeting once I passed the test where I was to be given the targets that General Flynn wanted to go after in Pennsylvania, um, I, I was told the exact words were, we will accomplish the mission by any means necessary, including the use of domestic terrorism. And the second I heard that, that's what set me on a course and a trajectory where I was like, nothing's going to stop me from stopping Flynn and from stopping the GOP and the right-wing extremism because this is domestic terrorism and we have to make sure a building doesn't get blown up or something. And this is actually why a lot of people wonder why I gave this whole press conference and and exposed this to the American public. And I gave this press conference, and I don't know if people remember it, but you can see it on YouTube. I gave it in 2021, and I pissed off the FBI tremendously by doing so. But I gave the press conference because I felt there was such an eminent danger and threat to the United States public that we couldn't wait on the FBI to do some investigation and and for them to take action. Federal investigations take a long time. And I felt we had to move and move now. And when you shine a light on cockroaches, what do they do? They run away. It disrupts the organization. It creates, you know, havoc. And that's what I wanted to do. So before this press conference took place, though, I was supposed to meet with General Flynn at the Omni Hotel in Dallas. 
And it was at this event called called the Ziglag Conference. And the Ziglag Conference is this ultra right wing Christian conservative movement or, or, or conference which has the, the top wealthiest Christians in America. I'm not against Christianity or anything like that. Don't don't take that the wrong way. I'm just saying this particular group focused in on Christianity as being its highlight, right? Me being Jewish, I felt a little uncomfortable going to this event or being invited to it, but I was told I was really a Christian because all Jews are Christians. So, but look, I was following along with what they said. I didn't argue with them. I just said, okay. (laughs) And uh, I was preparing to uh, take Christian vows or whatever I had to do at this conference to be able to meet General Flynn, where he wanted to meet me at this at this event, um, and also get to meet some very top players within the Republican Party. Um, Ed Lendell was there, I believe. Patrick Byrne was there. All, 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 all the major Flynn players and Trump people were were at this event. Um, it's a very exclusive. You have to be. It's just, it's just an invite only event. Now it's exposed completely because of me, and I've disrupted their whole operations. But, but anyways, this is where the funds come from, and what's what was happening was the campaign finance. I'm not sure if certain laws were broken, but what I can tell you is that a lot of the money was coming from the Ziglag group. We're talking just I mean, millions and millions of dollars was going towards the America First and and also the the America Project, which was to it, it basically, not basically, was for election integrity, okay? And I'm putting election integrity in quotations because they believed it was election integrity when in fact it was overturning the election, okay? So when you hear election integrity, that's just a bullshit word for overturning the election, okay? That's just the GOP way of saying we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take things over, okay? And then integrity, you know, with, with, with integrity. <laughs> so... Um, so anyways, it was at, but the, the night before I was supposed to fly out to this conference in Dallas, I was, I was going to do it. I swear to God, it, it was, it was something I pushed for, you know, but the FBI went, went cold on me. The, 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 I believe the night of the day before that, that conference, the FBI just went dark. They wouldn't answer my calls, wouldn't answer anything. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand. My concern was... And the concern of my counsel and the concern of people close to me was, okay, Everett, if you walk into a room with someone who's being looked at for treason and and sedition and conspiracy and you're seen with this person and you're not sourced properly by the FBI, then you could be arrested too as an accomplice. So this is what was explained to me and and I had people, you know, Former CA officers and my count, my legal counsel yelling at me because I, I, I felt that national security trumped even, trumped is the wrong word, but you know superseded even that of my own um, freedoms of not being put in jail because I wanted to expose Flynn and expose what was going on, but I did at the end listen to counsel, listen to friends and family, and not go, and I didn't end up meeting Flynn, but what I talk about in this. In this book, the DOJ investigations, is that the FBI did go cold on me, but what I didn't really talk about was how the communications with the FBI got picked back up. And that's what a lot of people don't know, is that, yeah, the FBI went cold on me, but that doesn't mean they 
stopped investigating. Oh, no. I just went from the Miami field office to the Philadelphia field office. So I went to two different field offices. I just switched talking to different agents. And what was happening was, was that the FBI was forming a trusted circle within the FBI to handle this situation. Because, again, certain – I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry to say there's certain agents that have a loyalty to Trump and a loyalty to Flynn, and they were afraid of a leak. This comes back – to Charles McGonagall. I want to just just shift gears for just a moment here and explain why this is important. So because I own Rabbit, which is a private intelligence agency, we were able to develop national security intelligence and fill intelligence gaps within the United States government to help go after tier one targets. Now, I wasn't paid to do this. I was passing information. I wasn't a source or an asset to the CIA. But it was something that we wanted to do as a patriotic mission, as being I'm a patriotic American, I want to help. So if I see something, I'm going to say something, right? So as all Americans should do, or anyone should do, in that, in that for that matter. So in the development of his national security um, in, intelligence, my POC, or, or POC means point of contact, in 2018 was Charles McGonagall. Now, a lot of people didn't know that, and that's because it was secret. Um, and I was the reason why I'm coming out now saying that he was my POC is the importance of it. Because in 2018, I was passing national security intelligence to Charles McConnell, who was then who was the head of counterintelligence for the FBI in the New York field office. And I had even had a meeting with Charles McConnell at the New York field field office with, with, with his agents, not him specifically at that time. But what ended up happening was my information. You know, Oleg Deripaska, this Russian oligarch, was was found to be paying Charles McGonagall. This is now in 2023. We now know this looking back that Charles McGonagall was on payroll in 2018 by Oleg Deripaska. So now me not knowing this, my information back in 2018, the 2018 Everett Stern is giving information to someone who's then giving it to the Russians. Now to me, that's fucking treason, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, they're not calling it treason yet, but to me, that's just wrong, and, and uh, honestly, it put, puts me at risk, it puts my team at risk, and it puts the United States at risk. So I have a huge problem with Charles McGonagall, and I have a huge problem with anyone associated with Charles McGonagall, which I'll get into further and start dropping names in that situation. So what? as Charles McGonagall was – now, he was also investigating in the Trump-Russia probe, right? Now, a lot of Republicans are coming back, and they're saying, well – you know, it, 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 you know, because Charles McGonagall was involved with Flynn and Trump, and and th- therefore it, it it undermines the whole Trump investigation. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You know, I'm not taking this side from a Democrat side or Republican side. I'm taking. I'm I'm stating this. This is is an Everett Stern side. I don't believe the FBI is corrupt. I don't. I believe the organization as a whole is pure and good. I believe there's bad apples just in every organization there are. And I believe that there is a corruption problem, but the whole organization itself is not corrupt. I've worked with and have met a lot of great FBI agents, and they have the highest honor and integrity. So I'm not 
going along with this whole bullshit that the Republicans are coming up with saying, oh, the FBI is corrupt and we can't trust them and, you know, the, the DOJ is being weaponized and all this stuff. I, I'm not but I'm not going along with that. And that's not because I'm against the GOP because of what I witnessed in the 2021 2022 U.S. Senate race and them trying to overturn the election. It's based on me just as an American and Everett Stern just knowing what I know and knowing the people I know in the intelligence community and within the world that I work. I just know there's a lot of hardworking federal employees out there who are not corrupt, who are just doing their job. And we have one asshole named Charles McGonagall who corrupted a lot of people and, and corrupted a certain you know, aspect of it. He's like, he's like a cancer of the, of the FBI and they're just, you have to just cut them out and the FBI will then regain its strength and its whole, its integrity and everything again in the public side. That's what's going to happen over time. In the meanwhile, though, we have a huge problem. And my big problem is that all the intelligence I was giving to the FBI in 2021, the big question to be raised is, did that information make it back to Charles McGonagall because he was my POC and therefore did it make it back to the Russians who then gave that information to Trump and Flynn to use against me in the lawsuit, the $250 million lawsuit against me and to supply them with evidence that the DOJ had. Now, I'm not sitting here with a tinfoil hat coming up with conspiracy theories that Flynn you know, had some secret arm – it's a secret – insight into the DOJ. No, no, no. I want you to f really understand what I'm saying with this circular loop here. It's, this is important. I'm giving information to McGonagall in 2018, right? McGonagall leaves the FBI, okay, but still has tremendous influence in the FBI and is still getting intelligence from the FBI. And he's on the payroll of Oleg Deripaska. And then I have Flynn coming at me I mean, it's reasonable reasonable to question and okay, was this information? Did any of it get back to Flint? You know, was there a leak within the FBI? Is that why the FBI was forming this trusted unit because they knew about McGonagall and they wouldn't tell me because obviously I'm not a trusted you know trust. I am a trusted individual, not a trusted source, though. I don't work for the FBI, so they're not going to tell me that there's an investigation into McGonagall. In fact, 99.9% .9 of the FBI didn't know there was an investigation into McGonagall. They, the Los Angeles field office of the FBI launched the investigation into Charles McGonagall because the eastern offices were – they were too concerned that McGonagall had too much reach. So even the FBI had to divide itself up over this. But what, what's what's fascinating about this is that now Walter Serrano is under uh, is, is now being looked at by the intelligence subcommittee, and Mark Rossini, who's who's also a, a former FBI agent who was just arrested as well. Um, and a lot of journalists don't understand this connection right now, and the American public doesn't understand this connection. But, but but Mark Rossini was arrested for bribing the governor of Puerto Rico and for working with a bank and helping them in violating sanctions in Venezuela. Now, okay, so I'm naming this guy Mark Rossini and Walter Serrano. So who the hell are these people and what, they, what do they have to do with Flynn 
and this whole podcast, right? Like when I am just throwing, I'm not just throwing names out there. There is a, there's a logic to this. So Walter Serrano is actually another head of a private intelligence agency like, like Eric Prince. He's in the UK and he's best friends with Benjamin Netanyahu, who's the former prime minister of Israel. And he owns a group called the USG Group. So the USG Group was launching intelligence operations and they had Oleg Deripaska as a client back in 2015. This is very important. 20, 2015, they had Oleg Deripaska as a client. And Mark Rossini was, was a former FBI agent that was helping the USG group and helping Oleg Deripaska. Now, at the time, this was not illegal because Oleg Deripaska wasn't under sanctions yet. He became under sanctions in 2018. So how do I, how the hell do I know this, right? I know this because the USG group and Mark Rossini approached me in 2015 to help them in helping Oleg Deripaska. Now I know this sounds very confusing, but again, they they I was approached by Mark Rossini and USG group to help Oleg Deripaska out. Obviously, I'm not going to help the Russians. I provided uh, Oleg Deripaska with, with, with some, some real intelligence, so I'm not defrauding the guy. But at the same time, I, I you know, provided him bullshit intelligence as well to deceive and to protect the United States. And the real intelligence was being passed to the Central Intelligence Agency. Now, that information can get me killed because Oleg Deripaska is known for going after, I think he killed a business associate. And these are dangerous people to begin with. We're talking, you know, a best friend of you know, Vladimir Putin here. So, you know, Oleg Deripaska um, and, and the intelligence I, I have on, on Oleg Deripaska, I believe with a very high degree of confidence that Charles McGonagall was helping back in 2015 with Oleg Deripaska and was introduced to Oleg Deripaska by Mark Rossini. Now, you might say, well, Everett, how the hell are you coming to that conclusion? And I'll tell you how. Mark Rossini is best friends with Charles McGonagall. Best friends. Now, where's the proof in that, right? The proof is that Charles McGonagall owns a company in Albania with Mark Rossini. And if you think I'm bullshitting you, look it up because it's true. So they own a company together and they're working together and they're helping Oleg Deripaska and they're, hope, and they're, and they're helping Albanian intelligence services. So, so Charles McGonagall and, and Flynn you know, could, could have been working together. And I use the word could. I'm not going to make any bold statements here, presumptuous statements. But what, what I will say is there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that basically the, the intelligence that I was given by USG Group on Oleg Deripaska's targets, one was a democratic uh, leader in Europe, one was a publicly traded Ger German company, uh, in, in, um, and, was a pub and also Oleg Deripaska wanted his diamond back, had a diamond stolen, and also wanted to hunt down some guy that stole all this money from one of his banks. So the intelligence, though, that I received, it's so well developed. And again, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't believe that intelligence came from self-derived sources. I, 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 it's just in a way. So basically, there is a case to be made here that the FBI, there was, there, there was a leak within the FBI back in 2015.
Now, the reason why I, I draw that conclusion, or, or, or I'm, I'm bring, not drawing that conclusion, I'm, I'm bringing that to question, is because the intelligence the USG group presented to me with Mark Rossini, who was best friends with Charles McGonagall, who was working as the head of the counterintelligence of the FBI at that time, was extremely advanced intelligence. Now, I've been doing this a very long time, and, and I know what's self-developed intelligence and what's intelligence coming from a, from a government. And, and the intelligence that was given to me, the bank accounts, the um, travel history, you know, the passport information on these individuals, the targets of Oleg Deripaska, this stuff had to have come from a government. Now, I'm not saying it came from the FBI 100%. But it, it's very suspicious to me, and I think it should be looked at by the DOJ and by the, F, by, by the investigating units at the FBI, that Charles McGonagall and Mark Rossini were best friends, and Mark Rossini is approaching me with this information and has such detailed in, info, which he really shouldn't have. I mean, to get passport information and travel history on people, that's stuff from Homeland Security. That, that, that's not... <laughs> That's not information that that can just be developed um, from 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 nowhere. Um, and in fact, you know, Walter Serrano even wanted me to double check someone's address. You know, fl you know, fly to Moscow and check check into someone's address to be able to locate some guy for like their Pasca, which I didn't do. Obviously, I didn't fly to Moscow, but uh, I might have told them I did, but I'm not sure. I don't. <laughs> but. I, uh, again, the whole point in me dealing with them was to elicit information out of Oleg Deripaska's people, understand what the Russians were doing, get that information back to the United States government. And again, I wasn't paid or sourced or was an asset to do any of this type of stuff. Um, now, I, I think it should be brought up, circumventing back to, to the beginning of this podcast and what, we, what, what we've been discussing. And this really isn't a podcast. This is really exposing the truth and, and getting out there what what's about to be written by journalists. So you're so people listening to this right now, this is gonna be reported on by the news. Because this is huge groundbreaking news that hasn't gone out yet. Um and, and it should be noted that look, I mean Trump pardoned Flynn I mean Trump I mean Flynn was in jail uh, in federal prison with, with Roger Stone, um couple guys from Blackwater and, and I mean but F Flynn was a convicted felon, um, and, and he was convicted for lying to the FBI. Um, now, you know, to lie to a federal agent is a federal offense. You, you, you can't do it. I mean, if an FBI agent asks you something, you better answer honestly, or you're going to end up in jail. Um, that is a prosecutable offense. So, you know, Flynn lied, and what's interesting about Flynn is that he was the— First and only military U.S. military personnel, especially at his high rank of being a general, to be allowed into FSB headquarters in Moscow. Now, FSB is Russian intelligence. Um, SVR is the equivalent is Russian intelligence, but is the equivalent of the CIA to the Russians. The FSB is more equivalent uh, to the FBI to the Russians, and then GRU is the military wing um, of, of of Russian intelligence. So, you know, but to be allowed into you know SVR FSB restricted areas in Moscow is insane. 
Like that has just never happened before. Um, I mean, you know, and the question is why, you know, and there's that famous picture of Flynn sitting at a dinner table with Vladimir Putin. Um, and it's a very disturbing photo photograph and very telling one. Um, who the hell was sitting around a dinner table shaking hands and, 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 you know, having a good time with Vladimir Putin? It's, you understand the Russians are the absolute enemy of the United States and they've invaded a democracy such as Ukraine. Um, and what's happening, by the way, in Ukraine is just horrible. I feel terrible for those, for those people. Um, and, and I think the CIA and the, and, you know, through, through the CIA and other means, the United States needs to support the people in Ukraine as just as much as we possibly can. Um, but again, to, to have Flynn so close to Vladimir Putin and then a lot of interconnecting dots here and lines that, Again, a lot of it's circumstantial evidence, but it it all lines up to Flynn is with, you know, I believe Flynn is with the Russians. Um, That 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 that's my take on it. That's what I think, you know, probably a good seventy million people in this country believe too. Um, And it's not just Democrats. I mean, we're talking. It's not. This is not a Democrat or Republican issue. This is a national security issue. So when you have the national security advisor of the president of the United States sitting at a dinner table with Vladimir Putin and also, you know, going into Russian intelligence headquarters, okay, what the hell, one, happened in that Russian intelligence headquarters? What was said to Flynn? Because there was a media blackout. So what was said to him and what was said, I mean, what what took place in that meeting and why why the hell would Flynn even accept that? Uh, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, now, I, this this is kind of you know jumping a little bit here, but um, I, you know I did mention in in the in the beginning of his talk about you know the Michael Flynn T reports to, to, to DOJ that I did. I, I want to bring up kind of a, a very interesting uh, and, and very critical. Uh, point here. There were two targets I was given, okay, by Velma and Ruth, uh, Congressman uh, Brian Fitzpatrick and Senator Toomey. Um, there were two targets. Now, in my press conference, I named the two, and to other people, and also in in, in the, the DOJ book, I I only talk about Brian Fitzpatrick. I don't talk about Senator Toomey. And the reason for that uh, was one... Uh, I don't know if I wanted to release that and get that information out to Flynn's people, but also Senator Toomey was a different type of target. Um, so Brian Fitzpatrick was their main main enemy because he's a former FBI agent who I, I believe he was part of taking down Flynn, and Flynn had a personal vendetta against the guy. But also Brian Fitzpatrick had influence in Pennsylvania – um, especially in his district, which is a very moderate Republican district. Um, so Fitzpatrick could could have influence there and, and push people towards those audits. Now, Senator Toomey, though, was retiring and was, and was on his way out. So he was a secondary target. He, of course, they wanted dirt on him and they wanted – it was a blackmail extortion scheme. But he was still a secondary target. He wasn't their main one. And – this is an important distinction because 
um, Senator Toomey, I think what they want to do is more embarrass him because he voted to impeach Trump um, as a Republican. And that's why he didn't run for re-election, and that's why he, he bowed out because he didn't want to deal with this whole Trump issue. Um, so so that's an important distinction as to why I mentioned in some sources two targets and other, other sources I mentioned one. Now, in the New York Times, a very important point, point was missed, very important. In the New York Times, um, I remember talking with the uh, journalist who who's doing that, uh, Robert Draper, who's a brilliant journalist. And I'll never forget when I first spoke with him, he said to me, you know, Everett, I believe you. And it was a time in my life where a lot of people didn't believe what I was saying about Flynn. When I came out with my press conference, a lot of people doubting me and saying this guy's full of shit. But this one New York Times reporter, he he believed me. And, and, and he was very um, uh, firm in that. And, and I, I said to him, I said, well, what do you – Basing that on, you know, you know, I, I know I've given you solid evidence, but but what, 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 what is holding up your conviction so strongly? And he goes, Everett, I can't tell you. And I waited months for, and then the New York Times finally published a story called "Michael Flynn is Still at War," and you can read this story. It's in New York Times Magazine. Um, and again, it's done by Robert Draper, who's a very famous, uh, just unbelievably great journalist for the New York Times. Uh, he's written a lot of books as well. But um, in there, he names a source that was also approached. So I wasn't the only person that was approached. And I'm not going to name the individual because I want you to read Michael Flynn's Still at War so you can read it. But he was a former CIA station chief. So – and he was told that he should commit acts of domestic terror in helping it overturn the 2020 election. So it wasn't just me that was just saying that this is what Flynn was doing. We have now a second individual who's very credible who who is claiming that he was also approached. That's why the New York Times, Robert Draper, believed me because he heard a similar story before. Um, almost exact. So this is very important because not, not, not only because of its context, but also because it was missed. A lot of people, because it was a longer story, people missed this critical, critical point that there was a second source and a second point of contact that Flynn made, um, which, which really solidified um, – his efforts in overturning the 2020 election um, and having a second correlating party, that that's very, very significant, especially a former CIA station chief. That's a big deal. And that shows he's also going after foreign intelligence officers. I'm sorry, former intelligence officers. Flynn also did want to go after and recruit foreign intelligence officers to help in overthrowing the 2020 election. That's a whole nother story. But, but, in this case, you know, he was a former intelligence officer. Flynn wanted intel people. Look, Flynn was the head of one of the largest intelligence apparatuses in, in the United States. Um, you know, the Department of Defense, um, you know, Flynn was running 
an operation full of military intelligence officers, and, and Flynn was an intelligence officer himself. He wanted intel people working for him. He knew he knows the capabilities of intel officers, and he knew that would that that's what would be needed in order to overturn the election was influencing people. And there's a thing called covert influence. So the C, when the CIA wants to overthrow a foreign government, what they do is they launch a covert influence campaign. And usually they use disinformation to do so. Um, you know, they'll make up some, some lie or sometimes they use, use real information against a leader or something. And they'll use covert influence where they'll use flyers, they'll use social media, they'll create sock puppets, they'll, they'll, they'll start to um, inject themselves into an election so a new government can be formed that's more pro-United States. And look, I'm not disclosing any national secrets here. This is just what's done, okay? And it's been done for a long time. And it's not just done by the United States. It's done by other countries also against the United States. So Russia is doing this against the U.S. So, for instance, look what happened in Cuba. Look what happened in other, in other countries where, where Russia is trying to inf- get, get that government on the side of the Russians. And we're trying to get it on the side of democracy, right? Is also the Chinese, you know, MSS, the the. Chinese intelligence. So, you know, it's all this this war of influence, right? So a covert influence campaign is what the CIA does or an intelligence agency does to influence a population to change leadership. And Flynn knows this very, very well. And that's what he was trying to do in the 2020 election. Now, further buttressing what I'm saying here is that in Flynn's book that he came out with, I'm not going to name his book, so I don't want to promote it, but he talks about fifth generation warfare. And what he's talking about in his book is covert influence and, and the ability for a public to rise up against the government and, and, and create change. And that's what Flynn is talking about. That's fifth generation warfare. So they, they always said, there's always the classic saying, the pen is mightier than the sword. And that's very true. And the CIA and the intelligence agencies around the world know that. And that's why they'll use disinformation and make and that make things up. That's why a lot of you out there who are following me on social media, if I tweet something, you'll see 10 different accounts that are really controlled by Flynn will post some BS disinformation about me. That's not true. You know, information that's not true to confuse the public and try to discredit me and what I'm saying. You'll see this on my, on my Twitter especially. Um, and you'll see this on other accounts too that are against Flynn and that are you know pro-democracy. You'll see these Flynn-based accounts that are doing this. And that's based off of Flynn's company called Digital Soldiers. That, that, that's what they are. They're digital soldiers, these sock puppets and people that control all these different social media accounts to be able to, again, influence and change leadership or change, discredit someone, which is a disinformation campaign. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. A, a, it's actually called a denigration campaign when you're going after someone individually. Um, and that's using, you know, tradecraft uh, techniques and procedures based on CIA intelligence methodologies. And, and Flynn knows this stuff very well. And that's why he's now training people to be able to to utilize it against the United States government. Um, 
In fact, there was a New York Times article where Eric Prince bought up land. He's the owner of a private intelligence agency I talked about before, um, where you know, he bought up land. I believe it was out in like Wyoming or, or, or so. I don't want to name these exact I'm not sure exactly. I think it was Wyoming. And they were training people in in in, in, in intelligence to become to become intelligence officers f- f- to help the cause in overturning the 2020 election. And there's a whole New York Times article about this. It's true. I mean, this shit is actually going on. And if anyone out there thinks this is a tinfoil hat podcast where I'm just saying things, there's a thing called Google. And I would start Googling this stuff, and you'll see what I'm saying is true, and it's 100% accurate. Um, and this type of material is something that has to be self-taught and researched because what's happening is you have all these different news agencies with different agendas, and you know people are getting very filtered bullshit news. And it's not news. It's just opinions, really, when you start getting like down to certain things like – so so, 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 I mean, just to name one, I mean, like, you know, Fox News or Newsmax, and then you have CNN on the other side, and you have these other news agencies, even different newspapers, right? The New York Times is more left leaning, the Wall Street Journal is more in the middle, and then you have, you know, um, another newspaper that's more on the right that people read. So, um, you know, and then you have. The, and that's why you're seeing now this this movement or this push, or or, or that not so much a push, but this um, naturalistic movement towards looking at social media for news because people don't want to go by printed news anymore because it's because they know there's a slant there. The problem now that we're facing is that people like General Flynn know. Um, that people are looking at social media and that's why they're spreading disinformation. And now on social media, people don't know what's real and what's not real. And that's why it all comes down like out of the movie Top Gun, the pilot in the box. It all comes down to what you're researching and what you know and and what you can figure out yourself um, through open source intelligence. It's called OSINT intelligence operations or OSINT research. Um, a great um, resource if you want to really get get good at this stuff um, is is Mike Bazell's book um, on 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 open source intelligence techniques. You can get it on Amazon, um, and, and that teaches you you know how to research things online in, in a more methodical manner and and conducts online investigations. Um, and that that's that's extremely important to know how to do. Again, it comes down to the pilot and the box at the end of the day. I mean, you're the one making decisions. And what's happening is is that all throughout the day, you're being bombarded with, with all this different information and people trying to influence you, advertisers. You have General Flynn. You have you have different media outlets. You have this and that. And you have to decide what what is your brain intake is real and what does, does it discount. Um and unfortunately, a lot of people are just overloaded, so they're paralyzed and they can't do anything. They don't know what the hell to believe anymore. And I think that's where a lot of America stands right now is people don't know what is real and they don't know what is believable. And the whole system is is losing its credibility. And this – look, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. This really comes down to Trump because Trump is the one who started you know, 
questioning, um, spreading disinformation from a very high office where people were believing it. And, and, you know, to to drink Clorox, for instance, you know, when you have uh, coronavirus isn't the best idea. In fact, you're going to die. But because the president said it, a lot of people did it. Um, so, you know, he, he, he's a high office person that spread a lot of disinformation. Now, a lot of presidents do that. They spread disinformation. But in Trump's example, though, it's more it's it's more dangerous what he's done because he's he's really twisted things in such a way where people just blindly follow him now and i think that's the key word is blindly they're not questioning what he's saying it's just if he says it and if he says hit that donation button i need money to help in my you know def- criminal defense people are just going to send the money and they're not questioning what is happening or what's going on and the second Amer- people start stop questioning things, not just to do with Trump, but in general, that's when the system falls apart because democracy is all about conversation, questioning things, and that's how you rise to the occasion and things bec- become improved over time is it, through questioning. And if you're not going to question things, then there's, there's really no point in anything. So um, – I encourage all, all, all the listeners even to question what I'm saying. Um, and that's why definitely in the, in the feedback sections, let, let me know. If you question something, send me a message, you know, post, post a comment, and we'll address it in the next podcast. But this podcast is solely about exposing the truth, the promotion of justice, fighting corruption, and holding people accountable. Okay, so let's get into something um, that a lot of people – there's a lot of murky waters on this. People don't understand that the whole Flynn lawsuit – so Flynn did – General Flynn did sue me for $250 million for defamation. I countered his lawsuit with another $250 million claim against him because uh, he was attacking my business. He was attacking my credibility. He was saying I wasn't the HSBC whistleblower, which is BS. We all know what I did in that situation back in 2010, 2012. So, um, you know, so, so, so Flynn was suing me for $250 million. I was countering. Now – I had a rider in my insurance policy for defamation of, of character. If someone were to sue me for defamation, then my insurance company would step in. So you can imagine the look on the guy's face um, when I called up Progressive Insurance and told them General Flynn is suing me for $250 million. Here's my claim. They, one, the guy didn't believe me. And was like, <laughs> and then eventually, I think. He hung up the phone on me or something. I ended up calling back again and trying to file the claim. And then they took me a little more seriously and they looked into it and they saw there was an actual lawsuit and they were they were forced to defend. Um, and they got dragged into this. Now, what the insurance company, what people have to understand is insurance companies are businesses. Okay, They don't care, no matter how important the issue is, they don't care about the good of society. I, I'm just, I'll, I'll put a point blank. They care about the dollar, the dollar bill and the bottom line. And that's all I care about is if something's profitable or not. So in this lawsuit, it was going to cost probably around a million dollars or up there to, 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 to defend. So 
and, and what I was trying to do is to raise money online. People were calling me a grifter or this and that because I was trying to raise money. But no, I really needed to raise the money because I had a counterclaim against Flynn. And I had law firms that would not defend me unless I put down a $200,000 retainer to help me with my counterclaim against Flynn because they were too afraid to jump in. They didn't want right-wing extremists going after them. And I mean imagine yourself putting yourself out there like that and exposing yourself to the right-wing extremism. You're going up against all these QAnon nuts that, that are giving Flynn money and they're following him. I mean, one takes balls to jump in as an attorney, and two, they're going to want some substantial resources to make sure they can fight the fight. Because you know, Flynn's lawyers were Trump attorneys; they were Trump. They're part of the 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 whole Trump apparatus. So I was up against unlimited resources and people who could spend all day long just suing me, filing motions, whatever they wanted. I'm not an attorney, so I mean, I don't know how to do this stuff. So my counterclaim was not being represented by the insurance company. I was doing that pro se. Now, that's an important distinction. So I was doing it pro se. I was not being represented. I was trying to raise money to be represented. And again, you can call me a grifter for doing that. I don't really give a shit. I was trying to defend democracy, and I needed money to do so, and I had to ask people for, the, for, for a dollar bill to do it. And I think I raised, I don't know, six thousand dollars or something around there and and that money did end up going to legal costs because i ended up paying all these different attorneys to advise me to help me file motions and i mean it was but again six thousand dollars in legal profession when you're being charged 450 an hour doesn't go a long way so anyways the actual claim it's the 250 million dollar claim itself against me that progressive was handling or, or i'm sorry their derivative home site insurance so Homesite Insurance was handling that that claim, and they called me. I'll never forget this. They called me and said, Everett, it has nothing to do with the merits of your case. Again, nothing to do with the merits. We believe you, and we think if we take this to trial, you will win, but it's going to cost us a fortune to fight General Flynn, and we're not willing to do that. And they said, so we're going to settle this and pay him $150,000, and that will then, and they're agreeing to then get rid of the claim. Everything you've done up until this point, they're willing to get rid of the claim, and um, and that's it. And it'll be it'll be over with. And you can. And then they said, do you want to roll in your lawsuit, your pro se lawsuit with with this settlement? So you're just done with that as well. And I was forced to because. I had no lawyer to help me. I can't fight Trump and Flynn lawyers like that. It's impossible. It's, it's literally impossible. There's some dragons you just can't slay. And this was a dragon I couldn't slay. Um, and, and, and for the first time in my life, I had to, I had to take the, the hit because it was a major PR hit. I mean, publicity-wise, a lot of people out there don't know the truth. They, they, Flynn's lawyers spun this situation saying – that because of the merits of the case, because I was saying wasn't true and progressive or, or home site didn't believe me, that's why they were settling and they won the lawsuit. That's not what happened. That's 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 bull. What what happened was, was progressive made a again quote quoting them a business decision 
to just get out of the lawsuit. And they said, Everett, if we can settle a $250 million claim for $150,000, that makes business sense. And that's why we're going to do it. And there's nothing I can do with that. Um, I, I had to go along. And, and, I, and those were some dark times because I felt like I was hit in the face, knocked down, and I, I didn't know how to get back up. And and I, 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 I could not... You know, always I, I had a couple influencers even on Twitter. So Everett lost his lawsuit; he gave up, and it was it was you know, people's perception of what happened with that lawsuit was simply simply not accurate. Um, and I, I and I, for for a second there, I did think that I gave up on that fight, and I was very ups- upset with myself. But then again, you know. There are some dragons we all face in our lives that that aren't slayable, and, and you just have to say, you know what, we'll leave this where it is, let the DOJ do their job, and march on and go on to the next fight and and try to make a significant positive difference somewhere else. Continue the fight against Flynn, but which I'm still doing. I'm still talking about it. I'm still talking to American people about it and exposing what happened. You know, I. Still, it's not something I gave up on, but you know, people I think look at public figures sometimes, and and they ex- expect this like, you know, superhuman type power, or, or 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 control over a situation, which is simply not true. It's not there. I'm a human being, and you know, I'm trying to run a business. I have right wing extremists coming at me. I have QAnon nuts coming at me. I mean, my mission in life is not to get more Twitter followers or try to impress people, um, you know, especially with this lawsuit, you know, that's why I let go what Flynn's lawyers were saying. I didn't fight it tooth and nail and I lost a lot of following and support, but it's because I don't care. That's not why I'm doing what I'm doing. The why behind what I'm doing running for U.S. Senate and, or, or being an activist and advocate in the promotion of justice and fighting corruption it is, it is because that's who I am. That, that's just what I do. And, and my, my core is to try to make that significant positive difference so when I die, I leave some sort of a positive legacy. And, you know, Emerson said it best you know, if you, you're very successful, if you can leave the world with a redeemed social condition, uh, you know, earning the respect of, of, of honest critics and enduring the betrayal of false friends. And this Flynn situation showed me who my false friends were, and it put me to the test. And even though, again, that lawsuit was settled, I still view it as a success in the end because... I expose the living hell out of Flynn and their operations and I've been Reichland, everything they're doing. And I disrupted a possible domestic terrorist attack against the United States. Um, and I tried my best and people might not disagree with my methods or how I did things, or maybe I was sloppy in my approach. I know some people were saying on Twitter or some other comments were, you know, that my messaging's off, I'm not professional when I'm giving my press conferences or this or that. But, 
you know, people have to understand that I don't have a PR like, you know, unit backing me here. I'm not media trained. I'm not, uh, it's just Everett Stern. That's what you're getting. So and I know after the first press conference, people were making all these comments about me saying, um, a lot. Like there was, there was this, um, 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 I was just, just this whole joke about me doing this um thing. And I mean, we're talking thousands of people were making these comments. And instead of focusing on what I was actually saying and the, and, and the, the importance of it, they were focusing on me saying, um, well, because I don't have media training and I'm not polished. But that's, that's how you know I'm telling the truth because I'm not polished. You're just getting, a, you're just, you're just getting the raw factual information no matter if I'm stuttering or not. And, and that's what I mean even doing in this podcast is just, is just telling the truth and it, it being very raw. So in conclusion, this is a David versus Goliath story, but it shouldn't be a David and Goliath story. You have to understand, Flynn was suing Everett Stern, the DOJ, the FBI, and I believe the CNN. Um, and it's like, okay, so you have so much money and power where you're silencing people, even in investi- investigations, but... If someone wants to speak out against you and and say from the top of their lungs, screaming from Mount Everest, Flynn is a traitor. Why is there a lawsuit that that that's then launched to silence that person? And and we live in a country where lawyers are afraid to take a case because they can get killed or they can they don't. I mean, what's going on here? I mean, I mean. How are journalists even operating? Journalists are afraid to publish stories because they're going to get sued by General Flynn. So how is that a democracy? A democracy, I mean, freedom of the press, right? I mean, that's what the U.S. Constitution states, freedom of the press. So the, the press does not have the freedom it, it needs to have because especially smaller units – they can't publish smaller publications. They can't publish certain news because they're going to get sued and they can't defend themselves. And insurance companies will just keep – they keep settling and settling and settling out of business decisions instead of standing up for what's right and doing what's right for democracy. And I'll tell you something. With what's going on with that, we have a big fucking problem.